Today's message is entitled, Is the Lord Among Us or Not? Is He Really Here? What can we learn from the Scripture today from a long time ago that would remind us how this is the same today? That God is looking for a people that He can bless. That God is looking for a people that He can show Himself strong to. God is looking for a people that trust Him, and because they trust Him, every need in their life will be supplied. Listen to the Scripture, if you will, from Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto thee. Let me stop before I read these final uh, verses. Moses was having a problem that day, like you may be having today. He was not sure that people understood that God had a purpose in his life and that God was wanting to bless the people and for him to lead them into that blessing. But there were some personal things in Moses' life that he needed to work out. Because if he didn't work out his own problems, he couldn't help people with other problems. Now let me go on and read to you. And the Lord said unto him, that's Moses, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and he caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. One of the most important things that you'll ever come in contact with is the presence of God. To know that God has singled you out to say something in your life, to teach you something, to give you something, to share with you something, to guide you, to protect you, to love you. I mean, it could go on and on and on. But when you come to that realization, like Moses will be doing in our story today, that God has entrusted to you something very special. When you discover what that is and begin to use it the way he wants it used, it will be unimaginable as to what's going to happen in your life. Not only your life, but in the lives of those that know you. None of us should expect people to believe that we're people of God unless there's some evidence that we're the people of God. Now, it is not evidence to join a church. It is not evidence to say, I believe in God. But it is evident when God begins to work in you in such a way that people are amazed that you have the peace that passes all understanding in a day when most people are about to throw in the towel. And when they see in us 
something different than what they see in their worldly friends. Now we're on the track that God wants us to be on. Now Moses was a pretty popular character even in the secular world. Moses was a name that most people can identify with in some way. And he was chosen and put in the order the Bible has been written right up at the front. He is an example, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, but he is certainly a man that walked with God and experienced what we experience. Now, let me just kind of reflect your memory a little bit for some or introduce some thoughts to you that maybe you didn't know. Baby Moses was born in a day when Pharaoh was not exactly doing backflips for little boy babies from Israel. Uh, they would have liked to have passed a law of abortion. They didn't like that. They, they did not like to see Moses come to the Jewish people. Matter of fact, Pharaoh was so adamant about it, he had already passed a law that their lives were to be taken before they outpopulated the Egyptians. That was already on the books. Abortion, whatever you want to call it. But the story goes on. Moses was spared. They were going around killing all these babies, but Moses was spared, and he was spared when his mother, listen, turned him over to God. Did you hear me, Mom? Things happen, fathers and moms, when we turn our kids over to God. We cannot live their life, but we can release them to the Lord that's with them 24-7. To guide, protect, and on and on and on. Now stay with me. When the time came when this little baby reached the age of 40, God began to move in his life in a very powerful way. It was very evident by the time of his 40th birthday that he was going to be used by God in a way that no one else had ever been used. Well, he received his Ph.D. degree from the University of Burning Bush. Now, some of you do not know much about that alma mater, but when you get to heaven, you'll learn a lot about it when Moses talks to you. Moses received from the burning bush a principle, though, that was to guide his life for the rest of his life. God had given him a rod, a rod. I can see it probably five or six feet tall, walking stick something to be a weapon if needed. But it was the tool of a man. Man had made the rod. Moses got the rod from man. So the day came when God wanted to teach Moses something. And the story develops as where God calls him in and says, Moses, that rod is only as good as what you can make it to be. If you don't know how to use the rod, it's not going to be effective. And he led him into that incredible story 
when he told Moses one day, throw it down. You're relying too much on the rod. You're working out seven days a week. You're the best fighter in, in the whole tribe. Throw it down. And so he throws it down. When it's thrown down, it becomes a snake, a serpent. Well, he found out just how much a man he was probably when he threw that down at his feet and looked down there and there's a 12-foot rattlesnake or something. But then he picked it up again. Hey, Moses, he said, Moses, you real man, you're tough. Go pick it up by the tail. Now, some of you guys, you look at me like, I could do that. <laughs> probably not. But anyway, he picked it up. Now, when he picked it up, what happened to it? The snake. When he picked up the snake, it became a rod. But read the text. It became the rod of God. That was the difference. It was Moses' rod until the snake story. It was God's rod thereafter. You see, God has given to all of us something we could kind of tie onto that rod. You're good at something. You're strong at something. And so you're going to try to survive on all that stuff. You got a great education, you got a great heritage, you got a great future, you got a lot of friends, you got some money, you got your health. Why do I need God? Why do I need God? The reason you need God is because God has your life planned out for you. He created you to be His child, not to be the world's asset or liability in some cases. Well, as you lay a hold of something, as I continue the message, there's something in your hand and there's something in my hand that's like that serpent. If we don't, again, linger here for a moment and understand God wants to use all of us, every single one of us, but God wants to use us the way he wants to use us, not as to what we want to be. I can remember that question when I was young. What do you want to be when you grow up? You had that question, and it's a good question. But it should be answered whatever God wants me to be. That's what I want to be. I want to be what he wants me to be. That's the reason we want children the Bible says they're the greatest in the kingdom of God. If we were to harm them, it would be better than a millstone hung around our neck. We've thrown into the sea. God wants to take our little ones and grow them. That's the reason we're willing to spend $12.5 million on a student building because those teenagers matter to God. They're at the time when we've got to put our arms around them and love them and provide for them and teach them the ways of God not the ways of the culture, not the ways of the university, but the ways of God. But you have to think in the way that God wants us to think. And if there's anything in our life, anything that we have not thrown down before God, we need to do it today. Everything about us, your bank account, your family, your brain, your charming personality, your awesome good looks, throw it down and say, God, what would you have me to do? And that's what I want to do.
But you know what? If you don't throw it down, one day it may take the vitality out of your spiritual life. Many of us have lived long enough to see that happen to some of the closest friends we ever had. They were so successful, so charming, so wonderful, so effective. But they refused to walk with God. They got so good, they thought they could do it alone. And now, some years have passed. Complacency. We're living today like every generation where there are going to be hundreds of thousands of people in America today, our wonderful land, that one day walk with God. Sunday morning, they were at church. They lived in a day when Sunday was a day of worship and, where the, and when what they had was a gift from God. But that day, has, if it hasn't already passed, it is close to totally passing away. And I can hear that servant hiss, my name is self. I'm, I'm self-controlled. I'm a do-it-yourself guy. I do what I want to, where I want to, when I want to, with who I want to, and God, you don't tell me what to do. And then we expect everything to come out okay. My dear friend, until you come to that day that you lay it all down before the Lord, you'll never know why you're on this planet. You never will know. Your name may go in infamy, but one day people forget it. But if you walk with God... You can be a part of the eternal plan of God. Amen. Don't you hope when you get to heaven you're going to see some people there that are there because they met you one time? I think you do. You say, no, I'm so self-centered. I don't care whether I go to heaven or not. You know, I'm just a cool dude. No, you're a fool. You're not cool. You're a fool. Because a fool says in his heart, according to this book, there is no God. Many would say about this message, you're crazy, preacher. I'm not going to believe that. No way would I believe that. I wish you'd reconsider, not because of me, but thus saith the Lord. God says, I've got a plan for your life. Have you ever come to the point, most of us had, when we said this, I need a job. I don't have a job. You walk with God, you'll have a job every day. And you won't have to pay Social Security. You won't even have to pay tax. Because you'll have something that came to you as a free gift, be used in the way God wants it to use, and God's going to use it to His glory. And in the meantime, your needs are going to be met according to Him and His plan. But you've got to walk with God. You've got to take that rod and throw it down and let God empower it and give it back to you. There's not a person under the sound of my voice that God has not blessed you with something real special. The Holy Spirit is wanting to help you find what that is. And when you find it, use it for the glory of God. So again, what is in your hand? High IQ, lots of degrees, influential positions, personality, I keep adding to the list. Put it down. 
put it down. Now we can study this rod from now on. But let's move on. In Exodus 4, 17, the Lord said, And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. Verse 20 says, And Moses took, listen, the rod of God in his hands. It was the rod earlier in the passage. It's now the rod of God. Some of the most powerful voices of Christianity throughout all the history of Christianity were people who at one time were openly adamant against God. They hated God. You could take the Bible stories and rewrite them right on up to our generation where people, they grew up, they got with the wrong crowd, wrong place, doing the wrong things, everything fell apart. But one day, one day, the Freddie Gages and the James Robinsons and the Billy Grahams and on and on the list would go, one day they met Jesus and they threw their life down. And there are hundreds of thousands, yea, millions of people in heaven because the power of God, the anointing of God. When I think about the rod story, it's an anointing of God that lets you be what you could not be without God's anointing. Now, if you'll identify what rod you're holding to, if it is what God wanted you to have, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give it back to you. But if it's what you were going to self-destruct with, he's going to take it away from you. But he's going to place another rod in your hand. And you know what people are going to say? What a wonderful change in your life took place when Jesus came into your life. You see, the rod of the Father is the Son of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit can take anybody, any place, any time, from any background. It does not matter where you lived, who your parents were, what the color of your skin is, what your bank account is. It does not matter what you have achieved or what you failed at. God loves you unconditionally, but he wants you to serve him. Right now, many are listening to our services in the penitentiaries of the state of Texas. Some of the greatest correspondence I've had through the years with some of those people. But you know what? Revivals break out in prisons. Revivals even break out in Texas. I'm praying for one in California and the uttermost part of the world. Well, no longer the rod of man in our story long as it's your rod, it's by your power, okay? God's not going to give you any fueling so you can use your rod better. That's not what he does. You can work out. You can become a great athlete on your own. You can do that. Do this, do that, whatever. You can study, do what? Become a successful business person. Whatever you want to do, chemistry, science, space, it doesn't make any difference. The difference is, though, are, do you want to be a success with your own rod or you want to be a success with the rod of God? That's the question. Moses went 40 years. 40 years 
without the rod of God. When you have time, go back and read the book of Exodus. You'll see those 40 years. You'll see how horrible they were, the ups, the downs, and whatever. But when you throw the rod down and God fills that rod with his spirit, your problems are not going to be over. So I don't want to lead you astray. Matter of fact, you may have problems like you never thought you'd have. I talked to one of our deacons this morning. He shared, I won't give his name because he didn't give me permission to do that. But he went to the doctor, and the doctor just gave him a horrible report, how bad he's going to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Left the doctor's office. He told me right out there in the foyer a while ago, I've had the best week of my life. I like that when God takes over. I'm glad that I know when the doctor said, the Lord said, I'm the great physician. I created you. I made you in my image. Nobody's going to take you out of my hand until I let them take me out of the hand. Death has no sting. The grave has no victory. But when the time comes, we want to be ready to go. I don't think anybody's in heaven to come back. You say, well, I just miss them. I don't think they miss us. I think they're looking forward to us joining them. But it's a big difference when Jesus takes over. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, that's the job of the church. That's your job. Our job is we feed the poor and do all the other things, a wonderful project, but our main job is lift up Jesus. Whatever we do in word or deed, we do it all to the glory of who? Jesus, the glory of God. That is our job. In the 13th verse of the 14th chapter of Exodus, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. Oh, I feel sorry for people that live their whole life, think they're Christians, and don't think there's any heaven until they die. There is a whole lot of heaven on the way to heaven. Every day with Jesus sweeter than the day before. I can see Moses behind there. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Moses, look in your hand. When we walk out of the doctor's office, the bank or whatever, look in your hand. The rod, the power of God, it's still there. It's still there. So my question, what's in your hand? Identify it and hold it up. Hold it up. Focus on what you're good at in the eyes of God. If it's to be a silent listener to every conversation, as the Holy Spirit is many times. Many times the Holy Spirit listens to us, but he does not speak back to us. But he's listening. And sometimes that's what we're supposed to do. It's not being just a doer, but it is doing what God wants us to do. When he held that rod up, I can see him saying to the Lord, it means I am yours, Lord, and this is your battle. You ever been there? Have you ever been there in your life? Any time, any place, in any illustration where you said, whether it was at work, at home, at play, at church, or wherever the, you were in the world, that you got into a situation 
And you had to remember that little verse, be still and know that I am God. You're getting through this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Christians don't die. They just move. They just move. Some of you say, I've been wanting to move for a long time. Well, get ready. You know, we're absent from body. We're present with the Lord. We've been there. And what did he do with the rod? He took it, and he held it up, the rod of God. What happened to the seas? They parted. They walked and rode those chariots across the sea. And as soon as they came out on the other side, here comes Pharaoh. You know, he had all the champions, the all-pros, the all-Americans. They were all coming through there. You know, man, we're tough. We're going to come and we're going to whip you. And they got right out in there. And the Lord went, and they all drowned. That's just the way the devil works. We win. We win. And as long as you're walking with God, if you fall down, you know what he's going to I can see some of a Christian going, oh, but I don't like to swim. I'm scared to death of water. The Lord said, you better get on board. And you better follow me. And I'll take care of you. And when it gets too hard for us, it's just right for him. When we can't fight the devil, we say, I give out, I've tried, I'm wore out. God says, step aside. And here goes the devil. That's just the way God works. They've gone into the wilderness, called the wilderness of sin. According to the commandment of the Lord, they had pitched their tents. Things began to happen. They thought, it's, we got out of Egypt, but this is worse. And listen to this. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with you of the elders of Israel and your rod. And we win. We win. Mote the river, whatever it took, God always wins. I love Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He'll supply your needs too. But it'll be God's way. It'll be God's way. None of us can take God's place. If you go over to the 17th chapter of Exodus, verses 8 through 12, then came Amalek, fought with Israel and Rephidim. Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Yeah, you don't get away from that rod stuff. Read the whole book. Read it again. When God holds up the rod, the enemy falls. And God will hold up the rod to a people whose heart is perfect towards him. Whether it's an individual, a family, a church, a nation, God will bless those who hold him up. All power is given to him in heaven and in earth. Whenever they got into that valley and the enemy came, the Amalek came, he held it up, and they went. 
So I close by asking you one more time, what is in your hand? What is it? If you say, Pastor, I really don't know this time, would you do something? Would you take some time today to get by yourself and just think about it? What could God do with your life if it was totally committed unto him? What could God do with this church? I believe the time has come at the Sagemont Church in Houston, Texas to watch God do even greater things than we have seen. In the past half a century plus, we have seen unbelievable things happen. Time after time after time after time, the mountains got higher. The conditions got more difficult. The floods came. The economic fall came. The oil prices dropped. But this church kept on through it all. People being saved, mission offerings rising, to now we give over 25% for the last four years of all of our income to missions. Why? Because it's God's money, and God loves the whole world. He loves you, he loves me, but he loves the whole world.